Episode number 27. My name's Miranda. I'm Island. And we, uh, we're together in the Again. same... <laughs> we're in Iowa together. Woo-hoo. It's always nice when we can record together, though. Yeah. Like you, guys will, you guys will appreciate it because the sound quality is much improved. Tip top. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just kick this off. What's in your cup? Uh, so it is Sunday morning, um, and I decided that... Uh, it was a little early for booze hall, so mm-hmm. uh, I am having good earth sweet and spicy tea. Um, if you guys have never had this before, um, I like the caffeinated version, so you can get this in an herbal version, but um, I like caffeine, so I always <laughs> get the, the full strength version. Um, and it's, they describe it as... Um, orange and cinnamon and other stuff. I think what I taste the most in it is cinnamon, which I really like. Um, so this stuff, it actually took me a while to figure out this is the same thing as the old Good Earth. So Good Earth used to just make tea just called Good Earth Tea, and that was it. And it didn't have like a special name to it. It was just oh. Good Earth Tea. And it was this one. Um, and that, it was like in a completely different box. The last time I bought it was probably like 10 years ago or something. And so when I went looking for it again, I had a really hard time finding it. I thought maybe they just weren't making it anymore, but they are. It's just in very, very different packaging. Um, So it is, uh, I think what I like about it, there are two things I really like about it. One is that it is um, like very, very cinnamony and this, the flavor is really strong. So it's not a weak tea flavor, but it's not a very, very strong tannin flavor. So, um, sometimes when you make teas and they have a lot of tannins in them, it feels drying in my mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that sensation. Um, and I know that there are ways around that with certain teas, like certain teas you're supposed to brew at a certain temperature and in a certain way. And I just gotta be real with you. I'm not going to do those things. (laughs) I'm going to boil water and then I'm going to add tea. And if that doesn't work, I will probably not drink that tea again. Not because it's not worth it. Not because I think it's, you know, bad or like the effort. You shouldn't put the effort in. None of those things. I'm just being honest with you about what I'm going to do when I want to consume tea. I'm going to boil water, add tea. Done. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I say that because um, I remember talking with our cousin Larissa about tea and how she really enjoyed it. And she was like making it in the way that the instructions said to do. And it caused her to kind of like open up to other teas that she hadn't ah. liked before. So I, I take that advice uh, seriously and I, now is not the time that I'm going to try it. <laughs> um, but the other thing I like about it is that I have been trying to avoid added sugar in my diet. So not trying to avoid sugar altogether. I'm not trying to do one of those like sugar-free diet things. Um, but I do try not to like have things where I feel like I have to add sugar to them in order for them to taste good. And this is naturally sweet on its own. It doesn't have sugar in it. And I don't want to add any sugar to it. Like there's no urge on my part to add sugar, which is good. Um, so I get to have something that tastes sweet and feels refreshing. Um, but that I don't feel like I have to add more stuff to, to make it taste the way I want it to. So I dig it. So yeah, so that's what I'm having. How about you? I'm having water. 
The finest. The finest Iowa water. Is this Johnson County? It is. Johnson County water. So <laughs> Johnson County filtered. Mm-hmm. Fresh. Aqua. Um, I will add to the tea conversation though for a minute because it has been so it's finally gotten really like kind of snowy and cold here. Um well, I say snowy and cold, especially in Iowa, we got four to five inches mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, Minnesota's had some snow, but not nearly as much. But it's been really cold. And uh, I didn't think I was going to become this person. But it's amazing when you move back to the Midwest what happens to your your uh, routines and ideas of what you find cozy and mm. like all that stuff. But I definitely notice now that I'm watching Netflix more often because it's just cold and I don't want to do anything or the light's so dark in my living room you can't really do much else. I should I should fix that the way that I just said that out loud. I should fix that. Um, I was like, mm, there's a problem that you just need lights. Um, but anyways, so I'm watching Netflix. I'm watching that Great British Baking Show, and sometimes you don't want to drink. Sometimes you just want some hot tea. Like I am an old lady and I love it. And I pulled out the kettle. Um, it was a kettle I got at Goodwill. I don't always recommend that. There's a reason people give things away. Um, so sometimes it whistles, sometimes it doesn't. And also it's like one of those weird XO, XO brand ones that are like really coolly designed, like very cool design, but sometimes they're flawed mm. or a mechanism changes. And the handle, when you lift it, opens the lid. Uh. So just, you keep thinking, I'm going to spill hot water everywhere. Like yes. you lift it off. To open, that's the only way to open the little flap so it stops oh. whistling. But then you're like, then it goes, huh, it like drops in your hand. And oh. I'm like. That made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't like it. So this is where I'm adding to the tea conversation. I will go back to the thrift stores and look for some other tea kettles. But anyways, I do really like having tea. And I love buying local honey. I love finding out who has, uh, like just talking to like beekeepers that are making their own. Or if you buy certain local honeys, they can be really good for your allergies. Um, I'm someone with a lot of allergies, so they say that when you move to a new place, you should try to get bee pollen from that area or honeys from those areas so that you can try to get your body used to it, to Mm. influence it. Mm -hmm. So I try to buy local honeys. And, uh, Target, of all places, their cafe has, um, somewhere, I forgot which campus it's on, they have, um, bee, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Apiary. What? That was definitely not the word I was looking for, but I really like. <laughs> I was like them bee boxes, <laughs> hives, hives. Yeah, I was like bee boxes, hives. Weird guy covering a suit in smoke, like all this. Good. And you were like apiary. Wow, <laughs> nerd, fucking alert. <laughs> anyway, I can't help it. It's what I am for real. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. Anyways. So Target, somewhere in the cafe, they have a group of people who are making, who have a bee situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's beekeepers. They have, bee they have a bee situation and they've made honey. No, um, <laughs> they are doing, they're harvesting their own honey and it's pretty cool. They sell it at the cafe and it's only like, really, it's so cheap for a jar. So I bought it because I was just, it, my impulse control is so little when it comes to like honey and home yeah. made things. And so it just sits on my desk and I'm like gonna get you <laughs> someday i'm gonna get you tea i'm gonna get you in my tea soon soon but anyways that was really long-winded i'm still drinking water anyways um <laughs> i highly appreciate your tea thing oh yeah, one last one last little thing yeah is that uh i'll admit that i didn't care much about tea until um being you know a, overseas for work or like just traveling more and tea is just so much more like easy and relaxing if you you know, you fly a lot, you get really dry throats and dry skin and 
it's one of those few things that I'm like, you want something hot and you don't want coffee. Mm-hmm. But like being in different cultures and seeing how tea is um, such a big ritual and such a big like um, hospitality thing, you do appreciate different types of teas more because people make it the proper way. It's not just mm-hmm. a microwave some water and a dunk right. a bag in there, which right. is purpose and good and fine. And that's how I make most of my tea. But it is really great to see. But it's not it. how it's done the world over. Right. And so it's a great to see all those things. And it does make you appreciate those flavors and those ideas and the time to drink it versus American culture is always like, go, 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 go. Fast, fast, fast. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your uh, works in prog- progress? Works in progress. So um, I'm going to step away from the microphone for just a second. And by step away, she means crawl away. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, it, that probably sounded exactly like what it was and also very unflattering, which is that I'm away. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are sitting on the floor in my office and I went to go re- reach over to my bookcase and somehow it didn't occur to me that, um, it would sound like I was crawling over to my bookcase. That's what I did, um, to pull out a book of cross-stitch patterns that uh, I put on the Instagram feed. So if you guys follow us on Instagram, you already know what I'm going to talk about, which is that for Christmas, somebody, a dear friend, um, Pam, gave, well, I shouldn't say just Pam, Pam and Andrew, but I get this feeling like Pam was the person who found this. Um, It is a book called Feminist Cross-Stitch, Feminist Icon Cross-Stitch, Um, by Anna Fleiss and Lauren Mancuso and it is um, a basically a book of cross-stitch designs so I love embroidery but I have not really learned how to do very much of it Um, and a lot of it requires uh, like if you're gonna freehand embroidery it requires the ability to freehand in general which I am just generally not good at in pretty much any way so like I don't I can't freehand draw well Um, I can't freehand um, like crochet very Mm. well like I I think the reason that I gravitate toward knitting is that um, knitting has certain constraints on it, certain geometric constraints that my brain understands. Like my brain does really well with that. Um, I don't do very well with just like a blank canvas. I sort of get like very anxious and uncomfortable and it's hard for me to to know where to start. Yeah. Um, So cross stitch is the version of embroidery that is well suited to me because it basically is art in pixel form. Because yeah. cross stitch is going to always be pixelated, um, because so for any of you who are not familiar with cross stitch, you will probably recognize it when I describe it, which is basically it's a fabric that ha- is a grid, a square grid, and then each um, stitch is a little X over one square of that grid, and so by nature, like it's always going to look pixelated because your only options are to like the way it's done is only in little X's. Um, I like the finite of that, and I also like that it's not you're not being um, overwhelmed by style decisions. Yeah, which so I struggle with. Sometimes it's nicest to be told what to do. You're like, "Word, this is the kit. All right, I'm doing it." <laughs> exactly. Um, and I personally am pretty excited about a lot of the um, designs that these two um, women came up with. So 
it's a lot of women throughout history. Um, so there are so there are portraits. Um, we'll just say that but the vast majority are portraits, and then there is a section in the back that also has um, patterns for text. So they have um, a pattern for um, nevertheless she persisted, um, smash the patriarchy. Um, women belong in the House and Senate, you know, things like that. So that's the, the language ones. And then for the portraits, they have, you know, everybody from, you know, a wide swath of history. So from Cleopatra to uh, Queen Elizabeth I to Rosie the Riveter to uh, Malala Yousafzai. Um, so it's, it's a wide span of history. So the one I'm going to start with is actually the cover girl, which is Frida Kahlo, which I'm super excited about. Um, and there are a couple things I'm excited about. Number one, I really love Frida Kahlo. I love her art. I love um, her personal design. So like, I love the art that she made, and I also love her personal aesthetic for herself. Um, and so what they did for the um, portrait of her is that they have her in a, a black top with gold jewelry, um, red lipstick, and then the bright flowers in her hair mm -hmm. that she often wore. And so I'm excited about it because it's a portrait, but I also get to bring in um, brighter colors. And I have a bunch of uh, embroidery thoughts, embroidery floss. I was trying to say floss and thread at the same time, and it came out floss, yeah. which is not a word. Um, but I have a bunch of embroidery floss from our grandmother. Um, and so I won't probably follow the um, patterns recommendations for the colors of the flowers because I will put in whatever color flowers I feel like yeah. from that stash. Um, so all I had to do really was to buy the colors for um, the black because grandma didn't own black thread and uh, the colors for her skin tones because we don't, the skin tones were not quite right. So I ordered the correct skin tone nice. flosses. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. And I feel like that really, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a good uh, carrying forward of things from our grandmother and art that I feel like doing. Um, I think right now my knitting mojo is a little low uh, just because I, I had a lot of knitting that I was trying to do for Christmas. And so um, once I got this for Christmas, I thought, oh, this is nice. Like This is a creative thing that I can do. Um, that is different from knitting and kind of give myself sort of uh, a break and, a, uh, you know, like an intellectual, emotional, whatever break from a craft that I feel a little, um, like I just don't have the excitement to do it right at this yeah. second, um, but I can still be doing something. And the nice thing about cross stitch for any of you guys who've not done it before is that it's very easy to pick up and put down. So if you are, you know, in a situation where you're feeling distracted or you don't know how much time you really have to sit down and do something you can literally pick it up and do three stitches or you can do half the pattern um so it's it's easy to move around and it's portable for those who don't embroider or you do cross stitch the there uh the fabric is kept taut enough in a loop usually mm -hmm. you can also get square frames and other shape frames but usually it's a, a round one because that's the most equal and even when mm -hmm. uh, embroidering. Um, but I was just trying to say, like, if you haven't seen that before, if you don't know exactly what we're talking about, 
I'm sure you've seen someone with a round wooden hoop just picking up and down at a flat piece of fabric and but that's kind of what it is so yeah yep and I I have um, always done my cross stitch on uh, circular hoops um, I think just because that's like what you said is the most common thing it is yeah the other thing that's really nice about cross stitch and I, I think it's true for other embroidery but if you get if you're doing really large embroidery this wouldn't work but for small embroidery um, like a lot of cross stitch patterns are um, the hoop itself can be used as a picture frame to display it um, which is always cool. so you you know you buy your little wooden hoop you stitch your pattern and then as if you cut the fabric outside of the hoop then you just have a circular picture that you can hang um, which is cool and you can do that with any other embroidery as well but like I said cross stitch is the, the only one that I'm even passingly familiar with but so. no, it's good I like yeah. it and it's not a heavy investment to get into no no so like of... the floss like the colors that you buy are less than a dollar a piece and a wood hoop can cost like two bucks, depending. Mm -hmm. And then you just need embroidery needles, which are just larger hand needles. Mm -hmm. It's really surprisingly easy to do. And I can, do you mind if I jump in on this? No, my, not at all. I love that this is something you're interested in because I didn't realize that you had gotten this for Christmas or that you were interested in doing it because I just went to Knit and Bolt in Minneapolis and I got a, a wild hair up my ass to like spend a lot of money and myself. <laughs> and they were having like a big clearance and that's not why I was there, but it was like, I wanted to get all my notions, you know, restocked. And I saw they had freehand embroidery stencils. So instead of using uh, the cross stitch fabric, um, you can just use anything like a pillowcase or a, uh, a napkin. These are like the traditional embroideries that you see, you know, at thrift stores that a lot of really talented women have done, mm -hmm. you know, to personalize their, their handkerchiefs with their name or some flowers or whatever. Um, or their dish towels like so that's what this kind of um, freehand embroidery style is and they're all iron-on transfers um, for fun like letters or one of the ones I got was really old and it was called like cowboy dog days and it was literally like a dog dressed as a cowboy doing different things on a Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and I was like I must have this <laughs> it has rope letters I must do it um, but I I've been really interested in that because I feel like um, I've been working on a repair group, like instead of having like a, a knitting circle, I've invited girls out, like other pals, I, I say girls, but that's just who's currently in it, but other friends out to um, all commit to repairing our things, whether with a visual, you know, visual, beautiful aesthetic repair that's really bright and different, or, you know, put sew your buttons on, and one of those things that I thought about doing to make a sweatshirt more wearable is to cover up a stain with embroidery oh, that's so, a great idea yeah so I just think it's really interesting that you were like I'm really I'm gonna try this embroidery stuff out I'm like oh man so am I <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about this before I showed up so yeah it is the season it I guess is. um anyways I'm sorry did you have other more works in progress no no that was everything excellent How I about you the other thing I've been working on um I actually had a pretty slow start to this I've just I was a little busier this uh Christmas than I expected um but I'm making I think they're called Azumo Bakuro bags. I think I, I think I said that right. Also known as bento bags. We've talked about them a big deal on our show, like because Island had knitted one, um, and I finally started making them out of denim scraps from work, and they've been coming out really well. They're awesome. I'm really happy with them. We'll take a photo of them, but it's involved me making multiple patterns. I've done them three different ways, mm -hmm. 
and uh, I finally got my pattern ready. And I, I kind of love when I make a template and I've made, I've fortified it enough that nothing is going to damage or destroy it. And if I roll it up, I know I can just like press it out again and it'll be great. But I do love making templates so I can go back to things I love. So I have like the perfect template for a stocking. I have a perfect template for certain uh, quilting squares and things like that. And this one, I finally figured out my triangle and my rectangle. Pretty proud of it. I know that's it. It's so simple. It sounds so simple, but I'm like, but you don't understand. It's the perfect size for putting <laughs> things in. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And I was making a bunch of those for my teammates. I can tell them now, but they, I think they had an idea that I was doing this anyway. But um, And then my, neck, my next project is I still have yet to knit my scarf, hoping that I can get some help from my sister <laughs> to cast on again, because I, I struggled a little bit. Um, so I need to make my scarf, because she made me amazing uh, bulky mittens, which we've already showed a photo of, but they fit perfectly on my giant hands, and I'm really excited about it. So, um, yeah, those are kind of my works in, in progress. I kind of, my next big thing that I really need to manage that's outside of myself is Valentine's. Valentine's are coming up, and that is my favorite holiday of the goddamn year. And I always go big. I usually make 200 Valentine's, and I have no idea what I'm doing this year. And it's really <laughs> scary because I don't, I got to get started now because I'm always that person who waits until February 13th and I'm up till 2 a.m. cutting out hearts and going, this is great. This is great. I'm so happy I'm doing this. And I'm like, not going to do it this year. Not going to do I'm going to be ready. Anyways, still don't know what I'm going to do. Anyways. There. In case my... in case anybody was wondering what mittens uh, they are that Miranda was talking about, so that you can make your very own luscious, very dense, thick mittens, mm. they are the Quick Bulky Mitten by Amy Pelletier. And I will link it again in our show notes. We linked it last time, but I'll link it again. Like Made with Malabrigo Rasta. So good. So, so dense. So they just feel really great. Once you're in this climate, you're like, I need this mitten. Mm-hmm. The Midwest... They're Midwestern mittens, yes. They really are. I love it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Well, so um, we wanted to dedicate some time today to something else that I think fits really well in the works in progress section. Um, This is more of like a, a societal work in progress and a personal work in progress, and that is... um, the, the representation of minorities, um, people of color in the craft community. Um, it's something that I think we think about, but we don't necessarily talk about it a lot. Um, I feel like we, t- we talk about it some, but we yeah. don't probably highlight it as much as we could. Um, and I think it's, it's something that um, has been there's a conversation that's been going on a lot this week in the crafting community and I missed it entirely. And the fact that I missed it means that I am not following the right, like it, it basically means that I have the luxury not to have noticed it and that's not good. So for anybody who is unfamiliar with what has happened, because I was totally not, like I said, I was completely not in touch with what had happened. So on January 7th, um, a well-known person in the knitting community uh, wrote a blog post about uh, wanting to go visit India, which sounds innocuous, just wanting to go visit India. But the way in which the blog post was written, um, it really made people feel othered 
that, you know, India is this exotic, far-off place. It's not even real somehow. <laughs> and, um, and you know, I think it, it just... There were several things about it that were problematic. And, and tone um, deaf in general. Yeah, and, and so some people had commented on the blog post, you know, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, I've, I've always been somebody who felt like I was not part of the mainstream knitting community because the representation of minorities and people of color in the crafting community is pretty poor. And so here was yet another example of somebody just not even knowing that that was a thing and then, you know, walking through it with their muddy boots on and not even really paying attention and just sort of getting, um, defensive about it and just, yeah. So, so what ended up happening as a result of that was something I think is really good, which is that many, uh, crafters, um, started trying to amplify the voices of um, people of color in the crafting community. And so we wanted to talk about that a little bit here. Um, I think as as two white women who are involved in crafting communities, you probably, to a great, Miranda, to a greater extent than I am, um, because it's not my job. Like my day-to-day yeah. <laughs> job is not crafting. My day-to-day job is uh, medicine and science. So I think a lot about representation in medicine and science. I think about that all the time. I think about it every single day and I fight for representation for people, trans people, um, women, people of color. Like I think about it every single day, all the time, um, because it's something that's very much in my face that I, I want to work on, but I don't think about it as much in the knitting community because it's my hobby. So I like, yeah. it's, I don't, you know, I, 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 I end up not doing the work there that I do in my job. And I think that that's a, a luxury that uh, many people can't afford. And I didn't realize how much of a luxury I had until I realized that this whole conversation had been going on online for a whole week. And you hadn't heard. And I hadn't noticed. Yeah. And it's not because I don't follow some of the people who have talked about it. You know, like there are um, people uh, that I follow on Instagram who have addressed it quite directly, like uh, Caitlin French, uh, Pom Pom Quarterly. Um, but I don't, again, um, because this past week I had a huge amount of um, work work to do, I wasn't checking out Instagram okay. as much. I wasn't, and like I said, I just, I had the luxury of not And can noticing. I also mention this? This past week, uh, Instagram released a, like a revised algorithm. Have you heard about this? That is actually uh, something that was brought up by one of the people that I want to highlight. Yes. But uh, the short of it is, is that um, they revise their algorithm to help people find things more popular, things that would fit their needs better. Um, However, that also made really important ones fall to the bottom and not be visible on our timelines or no longer. um, The timeline is no longer uh, like a, I'm trying to think of the word when it's done in in chronological yeah order. it's no longer chronological order it's already moved away from that for a while but now it's even more about popularity rising to the top mm-hmm. which the majority of crafters that are on this medium are white they're white and they're female and that causes a problem a visibility problem yeah Absolutely. and I think um, there are a couple things that I I want to say about that 
um, not from a position of knowledge, but from a position of curiosity that I, I don't understand the algorithms and I don't think about them very much. But yeah, so um, some of the people who are on Instagram that I think have written just amazing um, pieces about um, visibility and um, racism in the uh, crafting community, particularly um, knitting because I knit. Um, so I, I don't follow uh, very many embroiderers or sewists. I imagine the problems are the same very much in yeah. all of those uh, other crafts. Um, but the people that I read their specific posts and I would highly recommend them to you, um, are, and I will also link these in our show notes. Um, these are their Instagram handles, a stitch to wear ocean by the sea, the color mustard, Sucrita, uh, Tina say knits. Um, and there are quite a few others as well. And, um, I think there's also a, um, I will link it in the show notes. I can't remember the name of it, but there is actually a someone who has started a um, like crafters of color um, resource list. Like who are the people who are oh, the cool. designers, the hand, the indie dyers um, that you can support um, to try to address the problem of visibility and representation. Because as one of the, I think it was a stitch to wear had commented. You know, you can you can blame the algorithm for why your, your um, blog or your post isn't rising to the top. But the algorithm didn't invent itself. The algorithm was, um, is what it is, and popularity is what it is, because we decide what to pay attention to. Absolutely. And if we have decided that we are not going to take, that we are not going to amplify the voices of people of color, we can't say, oh, it's just the algorithm. You know, the algorithm pushed this thing to the top. It's not my fault. I didn't have anything to do with but it. it is our fault. It <laughs> is your fault. It's our fault. You it know? is. And um, I think we can do better and we should do better. Um, and so I think for me, like I said, I, I had always thought of myself as being somebody who thought about these things a lot, quote unquote, in my real life. Because like I said, on a on an every single day basis, like no exaggeration, every single day, I talk about these things, I work on these things. And yet there was this gigantic gaping hole <laughs> in my <laughs> life that takes up a lot of my time and thought, which is crafting, where I wasn't really doing the work. Um, and I sort of thought, I think I thought I was on some level because like when I look at knitting magazines, like I subscribe to Pom Pom Quarterly and Pom Pom Quarterly has for at least the last 20 issues um, really made sure to have um, a diverse group of designers. They have models who are different sizes, different shapes, different skin tones, different everything. Um, and so, you know, I was sitting there thinking like, hey, well, I put my money toward that. Um, and I, you know, I buy patterns from designers of color. And I, um, like, even in my day-to-day -day life, like the makeup that I buy, like I've decided that if the makeup company isn't owned by a person of color or minority or um, cruelty-free, like not testing on animals, like if it doesn't tick one of those boxes, I'm not buying it. Like I just, I'm not going to purchase it. Um, so I kept thinking that I was like supporting, but it's sort of tacit support. It's financial support, which is real, right. 
but it's not um, it's not talking to people about it. Um, and again, I I don't think I realized uh, how much of a luxury I was taking in well, doing that. I mean, that's essentially privilege. You don't yeah. realize your your um, your foot forward. Your your you know a running start that not everyone else gets. So there's it's really it's hard to go, oh, whoa, I, I missed this, or I didn't notice this, or I could do more. But it's great that you noticed it. I think a lot of people almost are afraid to acknowledge those things once they see them and do something about them. So you're doing something about it, and I love it. And Yeah, and I think the other, the other part of what made it difficult for me to talk about sometimes was that I didn't want to sound like I was being really self-congratulatory about how... Um, what a good job I was doing, like patting myself on the back, like look at me, always I'm so you know, good. I'm yeah. doing, yeah, I'm doing such a thoughtful job. When I problem, there are many ways in which I'm not, and I don't know it yet. Um, but my 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 hesitancy to talk about it becomes silence, which is not helpful, and that's complacency. You know, even if I'm, yeah. even if what I'm doing is like not totally right, or I'm going to be a little bit embarrassed about it later because I'm going to learn something I didn't know before not having talked about it in the first place meant that there were all these opportunities for conversation that I missed, all these opportunities for supporting people uh, that I didn't participate in because I was too nervous that I was going to fuck it up somehow. Yeah. And that's not a reason. To... That's not a reason. That's not yeah. an acceptable reason. I think as I spend more time being more comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you realize that no one's going to perish when you talk about something that's uncomfortable or something that you don't know about, like admitting that you don't know or admitting that you're not sure how to start is probably the best best way to talk. It's mm-hmm. the best way to get things started. People will always take a humble, open-ended, can you help me? Or I don't know this. Can you tell me more? Educate me more about this. So I think it's great that we're talking about it now. And do you mind if I mention kind of some of my background on this? Or Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... I, I kind of said what I what I wanted to say about it, um, and we invite people um, if if there is something that we have done or said that was unhelpful, if we have like misnamed something, like Miranda was just saying that we kept referring to this particular style of bag as a bento bag when that's not really what it is. Like if you know that there's something we screwed up, Call tell us, us. On it. like tell us on Instagram, like we want to know. Um, and uh, like I said, we will also, if, you, if there are people who have um, commented on this online in some way um, that you want to bring to everybody's attention, also add that to the comments on our Instagram feed or on our website so that people can uh, learn more. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's inviting criticism is not, a, it's not as scary as we all think. It's actually just a better way of acknowledging what we can do better. Everyone can do better, always. No one is perfect. Even Oprah acknowledges that. <laughs> um, so I was just going to add a little bit of this, only because it is a part of our of our world and how we, in our hobbies as far as crafting, how we buy our goods here in the United States. But this particular um, post by this person that kind of snowballed this whole conversation of... Um, representation and understanding like how we approach saying that someplace is foreign or exotic which is a real it's very um biased and tough language to use and it really 
alienates people and the world is so much smaller than we think. And it's, it shows a lot of closed mindedness or that this, the world is big and scary, which it's not. It's very much yeah. the same everywhere. And I think that a lot of people have a tendency to think that anything that they have not seen or experienced is foreign and different or exotic to them. And the word exotic is also really a really bad word. I really dislike using it. Um, cause it also says fetishizing and it also like, it just encourages a, a really bad narrative. Well, so and, and a separation of you from the people you're talking about as if the people that you are talking about when you say exotic, you know, like exotic India, right? Those people aren't like you. They're different. They're other. And yeah. it's not other in a way like, oh, this, this culture has existed for millennia and there's a lot about it that I don't know and, you know, I'm interested in learning more about it. Like, those are two different Things. tones. <laughs> yeah, those are two, two different, different tones. approaches. And, I mean, we all have friends who have been told on a date that they're exotic. Mm-hmm. And that we've all had friends who are like, you're so different, exotic. And, what, and it's so hurtful and it just really objectifies people and places in a weird way in a weird tone um but the reason i bring up my my bent on this is that this person who had written this post about it they were really excited about going to see color and to see this foreign land of magical colors and ideas and textures and these these people we love these people and all these things and i was just so bothered because i was like india is just another country with a ton of people. They're all really talented. There's a lot of different um, things happening. It's a very varied landscape. Plus, on top of that, the fiber industry, like the textile and fiber industry, has always been within pretty large, long-lasting civilizations, like throughout India and the rest of Asia, like China and Vietnam. Like, there's a crazy strong tradition of those industries. Same with like Central and South America also long-standing traditions and it's not even just like oh these are traditions and this is the traditional way that we do things they're the, also the innovators and in how we work all of our craft supplies rarely come from the united states there's very few things that are actually fully grown crafted dyed and sold to us here yeah. so like as someone who crafts you have to acknowledge that you can't do what you love without all these other places and that also says a lot about those places. They know us better than we know us. They know what Americans, especially us privileged crafters with all this time and money, especially like that's generally a white privileged thing, they know us better than we know us. They know what to sell to us. They know how to ship it, how to make it perfect, how to package it so that we think it's delicate and beautiful and we'll pay a lot for it. They know us better than us so it's really frustrating that people are like, that's so exotic and foreign and interesting. And I'm like, but they, they've spent so much time understanding you and you haven't spent nearly enough time understanding them. And I really think that reciprocity needs to exist in order for us to understand what we're truly buying, to really value what we're purchasing and valuing like how many craftspeople have touched your goods. Yeah, this was something actually when you and I were talking about it last night um, over one of our preferred... Um, <laughs> cups, which is beer. We were yeah. at a bar chatting, <laughs> chatting about how we were going to talk about it on the podcast today. Um, and your your description of how garments come together, even the fast fashion garments that we think of as like factory fashion come together is really interesting. Well, I what bothers me is that when people like 
label something that this was hand sewn by so-and-so here in America. And I was like, it was hand sewn in, in Thailand. Like, like all of, all of your clothing is hand sewn. There is no mechanical thing with the exception of pockets, but yet there are still two different people overseeing a pocket uh, embroidery section or um, a pocket. Uh, they have a, like a certain folder set for this. But everything is man- manufactured by hands. Everyone touches everything. So like your shirt that you wear, if you have a woven shirt, depending on the size of the factory, depending on the brands that they're supplying it to, because um, there's a really big difference between a Target supply chain versus a Madewell supply chain versus a um, Brooks Brothers supply chain. Those are all really different sizes of volume and needs. But depending on that sh- woven shirt, six people, most likely six people touched everything. And the fact that six different people sewed a shirt together cohesively that looks like one person touched it is incredible. The consistency is bananas. If you and I and a team of, you know, six people trying to put together a shirt, it would be a disaster. There is no consistency from stitches to cutting to place to ironing to trimming. It would be a disaster. No one would wear it. Our shit would all be rejected. (laughs) (laughs) It would not meet the quality control standards of the factory, no. So what bothers me is that people think that fast fashion is not hand-sewn fashion. It's all hand-sewn. It's 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 all manufactured by hand. Someone is pushing it through a sewing machine. Yeah. This exists. These people are living and breathing and working and they're also very talented. And it takes uh, while some people think it's unskilled labor, that's absolutely not true. These people who get work in factories, a lot of those jobs are pretty elevated in their regions depending on what they are. And I'm not saying, "Oh, they're not in trouble. They're not in a bad working environment." But what I'm trying to say is also like there's other jobs that are kind of considered lower on the food chain of skill sets and an opportunity. But being a, a factory sewer, you do have a certain amount of skills that you learn on the job. You become better over time. You might manage the line over time. But these people are really highly skilled. They know what the hell they're doing, and they can do it better than anyone else. And it's someone who is a factory sewer, often they'll do seamstress work outside of that. And how is... That seamstress or that shirt that that person made at the factory worth any less than something that you and I made here. Mm-hmm. Like our quality of stitching, our everything, like just because someone is being paid less and those quality, the quality of goods might be less than what you and I are making out of a fabric store here. It doesn't, it's not devalued. Like it's still mm-hmm. human making. It's still, it's still art. It's still mm-hmm. craft. So I, I have a really hard time with how we treat clothing here in the United States or how we see the quality of something or is being so disposable when I'm like someone just put in the same amount of hours to make something so beautiful and so consistent that we take it so for granted it's like buying meat in a styrofoam container like we think this is how it comes yeah but it's not true right so anyways I really have a hard time when people have not you know opened up their internet browsers and have gone and tried to figure out a way to understand where their products come from, mm-hmm. understand the people that work on it, and to also know that they're not that different from us. Yeah. And I think that is important. You really need to know where your things come from, and you need to value the people that make our things, because we can't do it without them. We wouldn't live this life that we have if those people weren't as good as they are. Well, I think there are, like we discussed yesterday also, there are a lot of companies that are starting to work on their transparency, so you have uh, companies like Everlane 
where they tell you the factory that the item was made in, um, the the living standards of the people there, um, how the like how much it actually cost them to do that. So like if you go on the Everlane website and you look at yeah, a coat, it will tell you how much of the money that you're paying for that coat is the actual physical materials that the coat is made from, then the labor of assembling that coat, the shipping, and then their markup. So if they, they tell you what their markup is, and then that totals the amount that they're charging you. Um, and most companies don't do that to that level, um, but there it is putting pressure on the industry to do that, which I think is really good. I think people are realizing they have a lot of power, not just in how they spend their money, but their loyalty mm-hmm. causes brands like Everlane to be more and more transparent over time because they realize that they have shared values with their customers. Yeah. And so more and more brands, I think, are trying to do it. And it also highlights the brands that aren't doing it. Like you and I were talking about this last night as well. Like I think Wish is a really interesting online way to buy cool, kitschy things. I've never used it, but I know some people who love it. And they love that because it's cheap, it's novelty, it's quick, and it's stuff that they've never seen. But I also have no idea about the transparency of it. And it almost like as we get more transparency, as the light illuminates, mm-hmm. the shadows become darker mm-hmm. <laughs> on other things. And yeah. those are the places, that, unfortunately, that's where I want to look because I want to know, mm-hmm. like, why have I ignored this dark corner? What's going on over there? Yeah. So, you know, there is no darkness without light. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, we all have a... We all have a job to do, like saying, like, we might do a really good job because of what we do in our day-to-day lives. Um, as far as, like, where I work is Target, and there is a lot of different initiatives that are company-mandated towards inclusivity, understanding, how to have better conversations with people to, like, bring about inclusivity, asking awkward questions, how do you manage that? Like, there's all these things that are bringing us along the path. And there's a lot of other interesting things that are happening in how we develop product that's more mindful and transparent. But it does remind me that in my personal life, am I using Amazon Prime more than I should? Am I using these services because it's so convenient? But why is it so convenient? Mm-hmm. What, what am I really getting? What am I really paying for? Mm-hmm. And it is, you know... This is the this is the grand reveal episode where we're like, whoa, I've been blindsided by my own ways. Um, but it's important to acknowledge that. And new year, new me bullshit. Let's try not to do those things so much. Well, and I think also, you know, there is a lot to be said for seeking out um, voices and perspectives that you wouldn't have come across naturally. Like, don't if it's not coming up in your day to day life, there's a reason for it. Which is why that was like the beginning of my whole thing. It's like, oh, this online diversity and inclusivity problem uh, conversation did not come to my attention. And I could have very easily just floated through, you know, the rest of the month having no idea that all these conversations were happening because it's something that I can ignore if I choose to. So if on a day-to-day basis you aren't coming across people of color in your Instagram feed. You aren't coming across um, awkward conversations, difficult conversations about race. There's a reason for that, and it's you. <laughs> it's all on you, buddy. It's you. <laughs> it is that you, have not, you are not doing the work that you need to do 
if it never comes up on its own, right? If the algorithm isn't feeding something to you, it's because the algorithm is feeding what you are choosing and you are choosing lack of diversity. You're choosing that privilege of not paying attention to what other people have to deal with. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, my message to, to everybody is that, you know, it's, it's not convenient. It is not simple and you should do it. You should be, you should be seeking out the information that isn't automatically coming to you. Absolutely. It's, it's heavy and good. I like yes. it. And so, yeah, like, I, like we said before, you know, we really invite you guys to, um, share with us, um, perspectives that you think we may have missed or, you know, if somebody wrote a piece that you think is uh, just really awesome and you want to amplify it and somehow, you know, our platform is not large. We don't have a huge following, but any platform is a platform and we are happy to help launch that platform in any way that we can, you know, however small it might be. We can at least add visibility in what we can provide. Yep. So, yep. I dig it. So, thanks, gang. Yeah. So shall we move on to our gold stars? I think so. Do you want me to start or would you like to start? Uh, I will go ahead and start because it is thematically associated with mm. what we were just talking about. I like it. So um, in my hunt to understand um, what I could do differently than what I have been doing um, to address issues of um, racism and sort of ableism and the issues that come up in the in both the crafting community but the world at large... Um, I forget who it was who had listed this on their page. I think, I know for sure that Skane Cocaine did. Um, and that's where I originally saw it was uh, Skane Cocaine. But uh, there are other people who have um, brought this up also. And that is the um, Me and White Supremacy Workbook by Layla F. Saad, um, spelled S-A-A-D. And I will link this in the show notes and on Instagram. But basically, this uh, this workbook um, was published. Um, Leila Saad published this workbook. I want to say, she says it started with uh, an online conversation in June and July of 2018. Oh, here it is. Um, the hashtag me and white supremacy work initially began as a 28-day challenge that I ran on my Instagram page between June and July 2018 for people holding white privilege to examine their complicity in white supremacy. The challenge quickly went viral and thousands of participants from all around the world taking part in a profound collective truth-telling journey to help them unpack and dismantle their internalized racism. And so she then took all of that and turned it into a downloadable workbook. And it is under the, or it's at the website, meandwhitesupremacy.com. I'm sorry, meandwhitesupremacybook.com. So you can download this book for free. Um, And it is, you know, partially educational, but obviously it's a workbook, right? It's got assignments in it that you're supposed to do um, if you really want to address the issues of internalized racism and the things that you might be doing that are not achieving the goals that you say you have, right? Most of us don't want to be racist. We don't want to be complicit in white supremacy, but to one extent or another, we do it all the time. And so you have to actively think about how you're going to do differently. And so I'm really excited about uh, starting this. So um, I saw that Skane Cocaine had put it on her um, Instagram feed yesterday. So I downloaded it yesterday. And my plan is to start it today. And that is my gold star 
um, because I think it sounds really interesting, um, potentially fun, you know, like I like having assignments that I can like tick off and say like I have, I have I'm trying this new thing, I've got this new challenge to work toward, I, I like that. Um, I'm down. Yeah. I'll do it. So... I didn't realize it was like a, it's a 28 day workbook. Is that correct? Well, it, it was a 28, it yeah, it was a 28 day challenge. I don't know that the workbook is something that you are supposed to do in a set period of time, okay. especially considering that my assumption is that there is no point at which you have completed the assignment. Right? <laughs> like, Guess what? You're not racist is, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Oh my it God. Is, <laughs> it is a journey and not a destination. Yeah, I really love it when people so, write that. They're like... <laughs> no one's it's no one's racist anymore. Look, there's black celebrities. So yeah, I'm like, oh my like, god, oh, that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. So um, at oh no, I, so I I wouldn't conceptualize it as a 28 day challenge. Although I think okay. you could probably do it that way, um, because you know you can construct your way of doing it however you want to. Um, but it just basically says that it's a workbook. So like you sort of work through the different parts of it at whatever pace, I think. I think the Instagram challenge was a one month thing, but this is more meant to be like a, a set of introspective uh, life changes that you just sort of make over time forever. I like it. I'm down. Yeah. I didn't realize it was free, so that's even more. I know, right? When, when things are free, 99, I got no excuses. Right. I mean, literally, nobody has any excuse. Like, if you have to internets, you can do this. You can do the work, too. <laughs> like, you can, even if you don't have the internet, you can go to your public library, download it, go from there. Um, yeah. And someday we should talk about the importance of public libraries. Oh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> and their role as being one of the few few spaces in Western society where you aren't expected to exchange money for something that you can just be there. Was and how important I that talking is. about the NPR episode where they discussed how urban planning, there's like a certain kind of urban planner that works on proximity to libraries. No. Because it's considered like the modern day meeting place. And that so many people think of libraries as just places for books. And why do that when we got Amazon? And right. I'm like, that's not the free exchange of knowledge. Yeah. FYI, that's not how it works. Yeah, um, so, so that we don't digress too much. Yeah. We will, we will we'll cover this another time. episode. But it's pretty, there's a lot more going on at libraries if you haven't been to one recently. So just saying, lots of things. And lots of things for lots of different people. Um, all right, so My Gold Star is a warm fuzzy because it is our grandma Marge's birthday today. And I'm sure she's up in heaven or something similar to heaven. Probably the Hershey's Chocolate Factory in heaven. <laughs> um, really enjoying her life, eating a symphony bar and um, probably quilting and sewing. Or sorry, quilting and knitting something. Um, I, I imagine her hands are busy. So um, They always were. But she's a huge inspiration for us. Um, mm-hmm. We really... Um, we've already talked about Marja a good deal, but I think it's always great to know that there's a a lineage or there's people before us that show us how to do things who are excited about these things. And it's always nice to get that fire from them, you know? And um, it's uh, another thing I'll mention is that she's not a blood relative of ours. She married into our family and she's probably one of our closest relatives. You know, mm-hmm. like she made such a huge impact on us. So I don't want to be like, oh, the craftiness runs in the family. Like, it's not like a hereditary thing. It's literally <laughs> someone who's got that excitement is contagious. And uh, yeah, someone who just it. really um, is 
like she was interested in talking to family members about it. She personally put a lot of effort into her craft and um, paid a lot of attention to other people's craft. She was a big um, supporter of others, yeah. Yeah, and and I, you know, without her, this podcast probably wouldn't exist. I mean, you probably would have continued to go into art because that was something that you were really passionate about individually. Um, but I don't know if I would have gone on to do crafting. You know, at least not at this point in my life. I might have done it later in life, but I don't think I would have gotten started so early, started so early if it weren't for her. And I think I wouldn't do quilting had I not seen how. Um how much she could invest in doing that but she was so good at lots of different crafts and I think that was one thing that I thought was really great was that she was multi-skilled like I think we all know someone who's like oh I'm really good at this and then they kind of stick to that and that's not a problem that's totally whatever you feel but I always appreciated that she was really good at a lot of different types of things and that has always reminded me that you can do a lot more things like you don't need to create this profile of yourself that is you know one-dimensional yeah so and also she took a lot of pride in her stuff and she entered into competitions and won a bunch of ribbons. So there's a part of me that's also like, boast, do it, who cares? Um, let people see. But she was always really uh, appreciative of everyone in her community when she, I think that was another big part of that is that she got to go, she got to really make strong associations with her people that she was in these competitions with. Mm-hmm. So I dig it. And I kind of love that we've inherited her supplies, like her mm-hmm. yarn stashes, her uh, cross stitch. I still have a pillow cross stitch I want to do. And it's like, it's a very gothy one that she, mm-hmm. it was like a black pillow with deep, like, jewel tone flowers. I'm like, dang, March, <laughs> feeling it. I like it. So, yeah, I, I give a nice gold star to Marge for yeah. keeping Happy us. birthday. Yeah. Have some chocolate for her today, if you have a chance. Have some chocolate. Pet a cat. Love Garfield. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else she loved. I don't think she loved clowns as much as Grandpa. No. But no, she no- definitely chocolates. And crafts. Garfield. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. kind of her jam. But in uh, her lucky number's 13. She was born on the 13th. So also that's another big sign for me. Whenever time I see a 13, I'm like, what's up, Grandma? And Grandpa, because 13 was his favorite number, too. A weird family. Good times. So anyway, that's my gold star. Yeah. Well, so thank you guys all for listening and for hopefully... Um, I'll thank you in advance for joining the conversation uh, <laughs> on Instagram and on our website about how we can be actively working toward greater um, inclusivity and um, awareness. Yeah, in our in our daily lives. Um, to find us, we are on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters, and the website is www.stitchcraftsisters.com. Um, so you can get the podcast from iTunes. Um, and if you leave a review there, then it's more likely that other people will see it. Um, just to go back to algorithms. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we hope to hear from you guys. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.